Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined this week on the show by fellow consultant Liana Sangster. Hey, Liana. Hi, Dom. So, Liana, you wrote a blog recently on LinkedIn, which was around how needing to be right goes wrong. And I wanted to get into that with you because it's an intriguing title. So I, I guess I'd love to understand, you know, what was the idea behind it and, and why, what sort of motivated you to write it? It was what motivated me. I, um, I'm probably familiar with the behavior in uh-huh. myself a little bit and in some people that are close to me. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, not I you. might suffer from it too. I was actually thinking oh, was... about people in my friendship group, my partner, for example. But, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sort of surrounded by it, but I also see it in, my, in practice, in coaching and working with individuals. And I call it dichotomous thinking, where people can find themselves getting into a trap where they think about things in all or nothing, right or wrong, black or white. Mm-hmm. So it's all or it's nothing. It shows up. I found a pattern emerged and it is often in that kind of task orientation, but specifically competitive, sometimes perfectionistic thinking mm-hmm. where there is a tendency to kind of see things mm-hmm. in those terms, in the all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And one of the really common things that come up, so if you you know that someone who has competitive or perfectionistic in their thinking, they might say things like, well, you know, winning, you either win or you lose, right? So it's that Mm -hmm. win-lose mentality, which is, of course, true. There is a winner in some situations and there is a loser. If you're, I don't Mm -hmm. know, playing soccer or whatever it is, I'm playing in a sporting arena. But what I noticed in the pattern of thinking is that in that sort of win-lose mentality that individuals could find themselves blocked because your sense of worth comes from winning. And so that's the aspiration. And in that space, when we find ourselves locked into winning, losing right or wrong, we can cause a lot of tension and a pressure on ourselves and potentially lose an opportunity to learn as well in that process. So I guess it came out of a curiosity around this right and wrong thinking pattern and belief system and how it really did, I find it really blocked people from learning and growing. Yeah. So how have you seen it come up? So the sporting context, one, but how do we see it come up? In workplaces and in organizations, like how does black and white thinking show up or in your experience? I suppose if I go back to the individual scenario that I was thinking of with a client I was working with, and I'll give you a bit of a group scenario, it was in context of her feedback where she said, well, you know, there was a bit of defensiveness and frustration around the feedback, perfectionistic, and kind of spun it around on me and said, but are you telling me that I should be sloppy instead? Like, are you saying that I should just drop my standards? Uh-huh. It's a really defensive position, which really wasn't where my, me or the tool was coming from, but just to explore what does it look like if you put all that pressure on yourself? What is the cost to you and others around you? And so in that moment, I suppose there was defensiveness around defending a position, that it's right to be, you're telling me it's wrong, but actually, you know, I think it's right. And it kind of locked us in some ways. That's uh-huh. how I saw it at the individual level. Uh-huh. So it's 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 that taking the opposite view to the extreme. So yes. it's not perfect, it's sloppy, it's terrible. 
And no, we're talking about achievements, excellence. Yeah. Right. We're achieving excellence, which is still super high, but it's it's possible, it's achievable. Yeah. But what they hear is what your time is to just results don't matter. Like whatever. We just go along, go yeah. with the flow. And, and it's like, no. And that <laughs> shows up. And in my early days, I would hear it and think, gosh, did I do something to encourage that? Then after a while I realized it wasn't really a reflection of what I was doing. It was a reflection of their thought pattern, their process, how yes. they were processing it. Yes. And that's the that's the conundrum I think that they find that, you know, you can get in as an individual. And I've heard it the other way too, where like someone who was on the passive side was just like, Well, I'm just gonna ignore people from now on and like <laughs> It's like that's not what I'm saying either, you know. Like, I'm, so instead of just yeah, true, just being you know decent, being constructive, they want to go all the way to being a jerk kind of stuff. Or, or you're telling me I have to be a jerk. Yes, it's like that's not what I'm telling you at all. <laughs> yeah, you know? so we move to the other extreme as a way to kind of somehow I don't know, get comfortable with this. Well, it's, it's part of a defense mechanism and an argument method. Yeah. So you see people make these kinds of arguments all the time. So not just in defending their behavior, but in any kind of argument, you take someone's position and then extrapolate it to quite an extreme straw man kind of argument, which is then easy to take down because it's yeah. kind of a caricature almost of what they're actually saying, you know, so. And the motivation underneath that, you know, I'm also, I'm also interested in it. So it's on some levels, it's defensive. Yes. High level mm. to do that. Mm. But there's also a bit of avoidance in there, isn't there? You know, so if I turn this down, but there's possibly, if I need to win this argument, I'm going to create this polarity Mm. so that I can still be Mm. in this position. Oh, for sure. I mean, the competitive style is something I know I was very high on back in the day and I still have my moments to today, for sure. And that need to be right, need to have the last word. Oh, it boils up inside me, you know, it's, it's, it's there, it's there. Um, I, it's in me as well. Out. I have had to really work at that over the years. And that's, this is where an interesting thing, like in relationships, right, with friends or partners mm. or family members, whoever it is, mm. and at work potentially as well, but you can, it's why I refer to it as it can be a lonely experience because if in the pursuit of being right, you can alienate mm. others. Mm. If the being right is more important than the being with someone. And it's, yes, and I think it's being right about, like, what matters. I think the, the problem the problem for that I've had in the past is arguing stuff that doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. right? But needing to be right means you kind of go all the way on it <laughs> rather than just like, it does, like, this is not an argument worth winning, Yes. You know, at any cost kind of stuff. It's interesting, right? So sometimes I'll provoke my partner, Simon, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, it's really hard to win with you, Liana, or it's hard to win. And I was like, oh, is that the goal? You know, like, so I'll sort of go, is our goal in life to either have one of us be a winner and one of us be a loser? Is this this what we're working towards here? both of you are a little in black and (laughs) white thing. Yeah, we dip into it. (laughs) But like, do you know, it's so interesting because it's like, if that question comes up, where it's, or I can never be right, or, you know, I really, I won that one. I'm thinking, is that, is that actually the goal? And I think that's where we get stuck because you, you know, I talk about lifting the goal up a level. If you're, I don't know, you're working in an organization and you're, you're trying to influence someone to, I don't know, change something. Let's say you mm. want to influence a different department around how they're working. Mm. Do you want to win the conversation or do you mm. want them to be engaged to actually want to do the change? Mm. So I suppose it's about getting focused on what are we really trying to do here? And I think the huge is why. Why are we arguing this? 
Yeah. Right, to your point, because because at the heart of it, is it just about I, well, I feel like I, I have to win, I have to come out on top, you know, and uh, like I know I've done that where, well, you notice that where people, it becomes a difficult conversation. The argument starts becoming about really real technicalities, mm-hmm. you know, at a technical technicality level, I'll argue and it's like, well, that's true technically, but it's not true in the grander does scheme it, or bigger picture, but on this particular point, I'm going to smash it because I know I've got you on that yeah. technicality, <laughs> you know, or something like that. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're correct, I guess, but yeah. it, it's take kind of it. beside the point, I guess. It's beside the point, really. Take, take it, sure, but Shh. what else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, so it can get in the way because, I mean, the thing about that kind of thinking is it, it ultimately it shuts down your options. Yes, that's the challenge. It shuts down your options if it's an all or nothing or a right or wrong. You're not opening up the possibility of exploring what else, which is where it's, that's where it's going wrong for you. Your desire to be right or whatever it is, is potentially going to cost you or others at some point. And what about Leona? Because I, I feel like someone's screaming into their car radio at the moment listening to this saying, but aren't there times when you are right and yeah. you should stick to your guns, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, there are things that you feel strongly about and they're important to you. And so advocating your position is mm. really important. It's, I think it's a kind of check yourself moment though, isn't it? So mm. again, it's constant. You might have a position and a very clear view as to why you hold that position, but what are you trying to achieve when you're, when you're pushing that position? Mm. So look around the room. Are you trying to convince people? You might be. Are you trying to rattle the cage a bit? Possibly. Be clear on what you're trying to get to and whether that advocating position is working or not. Mm. Because if it's not working, mm. why are you doing it? Mm. Find another way. I think that's the challenge, though. So I, I, I know probably with myself, have you ever gone to that situation where you know you're locked in this argument that it's not worth it, we're arguing technicalities, whatever, but how do you de-escalate it without admitting defeat? <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, well, this is the trap, isn't you're, it? Because <laughs> you're, you're dug in now and it's now a battle. It's actually, you know, the thing about the black and white thing in those arguments is it's not even about the thing. It's not about the topic. It's now about the ego of me versus you. I want to win, right? It's not even about the particular Yeah, once you're caught in it. It's now a battle, mm. right? And it's a, some probably <laughs> chipmunk, you know, primitive brain thing of, you know, I need to come out on the top. The hijack, yeah. The amygdala hijack. You know, so, so how do you, how do I guess do you, when you catch yourself in that moment, we've gone down the path of black and white thinking, how do you pull back from the from the brink? <laughs> I mean, that that comes down to how do you self-regulate ultimately? Because if you do move into that defensive state, the amygdala hijack, the lizard brain, whatever you want to call it, yeah, you know, it is very difficult to pull yourself back from it. So you just need mm. to instigate different techniques. If you catch yourself doing it, you know, taking the deep breath, taking a pause, asking yourself a different question inside your mind around why am I why am I feeling so attached to this. That is a that is a whole other area on how you self-regulate. But I think one of the traps, if you're aware that you do this, one of the things that I find people do when they are, this is a very prevalent style in the LSI1, is that they set themselves up early on. So what I mean by that is if you kind of fall into that trap of black and white, then you usually begin creating a position that is black and white. And so mm-hmm. you're kind of putting yourself into a corner. And so I think part of it is being aware of that, but then also if you're in a position where you want to influence someone to frame it in a way that doesn't put you immediately in that corner, 
So for example, like you might phrase an idea as, you know, I have a different perspective, for example, versus this is the way we need to be doing it. I think that one of the challenges is they set themselves up for a fall sometimes. Isn't I have a different perspective basically saying I disagree? No. Yeah, but it at least leaves a bit of room for discussion. Yeah, that's true. So it's not it is, it's I have a view. That's true. Which comes back to this, we kind of mentioned it earlier, was advocacy versus inquiry, inquiry. kind of stuff. So Yeah, ask a question. Which, you know, so in, when we do the group, group styles work in teams, you know, it's how do you get away from an advocacy model, mm. which is I think this, you think that, and now it's a battle of wills between you and I. It becomes about the egos, not the ideas. So how do you get away from that? And, mm. and some of that's, you know, asking questions, inquiries of why, what's important to us, what are we trying to achieve? What works about this idea or what, what supports that? And in theory, you know, we should all be able to speak to the pros and cons of every idea, every suggestion, every side. I mean, in a team environment, it's critical, isn't it? Because if you've got a team of, let's call it task orientation, or you've got a lot of strong personalities in there that have a lot of advocacy capability, you know, they've probably got very clear ideas, a lot of certainty around those. But if they advocate more than they inquire, so that ratio is off, Mm. where is the collective understanding? So I think that's a really good point that you raise, which is how do you make sure that you monitor the time you're spending advocating versus inquiring Mm. if you're in a team? For sure. So it's asking those questions, exploring it. Why do you feel so strongly about this? Tell me more about what, you know, why, yeah, what's the, um, like, what are the critical things about this that, you know, whatever it is, you just need to ask questions that actually get people on the same page versus at opposing ends of the... And what can be interesting is you can feel out people's position too. So rather than saying, you know, customers are going to hate this idea, advocacy, it's... What do you think the impact might be on customers? Yeah. Which opens up. Phrasing. Because you might be wrong. You know, people might have a different view. You know, you could, you could be, so your assumption about what, how it will impact customers may be, may be wonky. I mean, you might be right too, but you don't know. So Ask the question versus make up, the statement. Yeah. So how do you think this might be perceived in the market? How do you think this might impact customers, their experience? And I think it's a great point. If you're coaching someone who, you know, has a tendency to do that. That's, you know, where every time they think about a statement in their head, just get them to turn it into a question. Mm. Might be a technique they try. Yeah, because you can be conscious of it. I think, you know, if I think of myself, I feel like I do, like when I'm coaching someone, working with teams, I have my coach facilitator hat on to some extent. I'll ask those questions because that's my where my mind is at. When I'm tired at home or wherever, I'll slip more into the black and white stuff, right? You know, I don't, because I feel like, oh, I'm just advocating, you know, oh, it's a good, robust debate. You know, that's because that's the other thing people say, right? I enjoy the robust debate, which can be true. People people <laughs> do enjoy that. But yeah, so it's it's being, I guess, to your point, it's about being conscious of, you know, consciously making some effort to say, rather than just coming in with the with the hammer, yeah, you know, asking the question and, and keeping that front of mind. And I mean, someone once said to me, in order to be, conscious of others, you have to be really conscious of yourself. Mm. And so part of it is, you know, taking a moment to look around you just to see how people are responding to you or read, how you read the room. Yeah. Read the room. Like, <laughs> is this landing or not? You know, what because if you ask people what they care about, most people would say they do care about the impact that they have on others. Uh-huh. You know, or that their ultimate goal, whether it's with their partner or their friends or, you know, if it's to engage in a debate, if are people engaging? <laughs> Or are you the only one talking? Like, right, right. Well, you know, so if it's not working. And my okay. next point. <laughs> <laughs> you got your soapbox. 
Um, or is two of you just going back and forth and everyone's just like watching the tennis match? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, and that's actually another really interesting point though, Liana, in, in a group setting, because we've all seen that before where two people are just going head to head in a meeting. Yeah. Right. But what's the responsibility of everyone watching the sparring match, watching the tennis match? Because when two people are locked in there, you know, they're probably not in the in the zone to call it yeah, themselves they, in some ways. They right? need help. They've gone down the hole. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they're in, they're in the, the pit, having the pit fight to the death or something. So oh, maybe that's a bit extreme, but you get my point. I do. Um, <laughs> I was black and white thinking that. <laughs> I mean, so it's interesting, right? So you see it, you do see it in groups where two people might get a strong position and then everyone else around them can go a bit quiet because uh-huh. it's intensified. And how do you, how do you get a word in when there's this, you know, Well, back and without forward. getting sucked into the into the fight yourself and now it's a tag team match or something, you know? Yeah, us against them. So, you know, you're broadening this now for me, thinking about it, mm. and this is the thing about teams is that, you know, you're all equally responsible, aren't you, for the behaviours that are happening in the room? Mm. So if you choose to be a, a bystander, then you're choosing to let, you know, that's a mm. choice that you're making. Mm. Yeah, I always say that when we do the group styles in Ventura teams, it's like highly aggressive and, and maybe passive because some people sat back, some people went head to head. And people say, oh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so were really aggressive. They're going to each other. It's like, cool. But five other people watched that happen and did nothing. Yeah. And that's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a higher order ask for individuals. And it's awesome when you work with a team and you see someone actually help and intervene that mm type of discussion by saying, you know, can we hit a pause button here? This is what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that there's some strong positions in the room. Yeah. And you might ask a question that, again, lifts them. What is the, you know, what's important here? What are, what's, mm. what are we trying to get to? Like mm. ask some questions to get the people thinking it. Getting back to that inquiry. That yeah. Yeah, because when people, you're right, when people are caught up in it, sometimes you need that third or fourth cir- person to help intervene. And be a circuit breaker. And yeah. Br- Break it out from the advocacy back to the, okay, Liana, so why do you think this is important for customers or you know, whatever that question yeah. is, but trying to bring them back to inquiry and, and of both people, you know, so. And give them a moment to pause and take a breath while you ask the question. Yes. Yep. Because I think, and I think, and I think you mentioned it was taking it up a level. So rather than, you know, we talked about arguing technicalities and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's often where people go to. So can we agree at a objective level, fundamental level, what we're trying to talk about? You know, is is there can what are we you working towards? So here? at what yeah. level like where does the disagreement start? Because sometimes at an overall level, actually we're on the same page. We want what's best for the customer. Yeah, what's the common area that we agree on? So totally. where are the common areas? And then it's it's as you get more and more detailed is where we'll split ways, because I think you know, it's better to do this for them. You think it's better to do that, whatever. So, and that's something you can also use in a debrief as well as in a group environment. You know, mm. you can say it's not so bad if someone gets on a rant because what what is underneath it is something that's important to them. So if you can pull it out and actually put it on the table. So what I'm hearing is this is quite important to you. Mm. It's quite important for you to be seen as competent or it's quite important for you to be delivering really high quality work. And it kind of like by acknowledging that position, mm. you're actually calming the individual mm-hmm, down. For sure, yep. So you can do that at a group level and an individual level. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so I think with the group, it's, you know, how do you intervene? How do you ask those questions? Be the circuit breaker as well because, you know, we are a team. So how do we how do we do that together to help people 
break out of their black and white thinking by asking questions. Yeah, what's our ultimate goal? Mm. What else is there? Look, I think, you know, it's it's a it's a gut check for people. I think, you know, from my experience, it's the need to be right, the need to have that last word. It can be a real drive and and to some extent it can be a learn it's a learned pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we grew up with it in in your family or something. That's how you talked about stuff. And it can be fun, you know. So people people who do that quite enjoy battling with other people who do that. You know, mm-hmm. there can be an enjoyment element to it potentially. But to a lot of people who don't, it's like awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. What is my potential impact on people that don't don't find this enjoyable or mm. might find it quite confronting. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose you do have to be mindful of that in you know in organisations because you might surround yourself in your private life by people that are really comfortable with that. So go your hardest mm. if that's working for you, but mm. you probably don't have as much control when you come into the workplace. Mm. I'd argue even in your personal life, there's probably a bunch of people who are <laughs> sick of it too. Quite possible. Um, <laughs> Not willing to tell you though because I don't want to get into the argument. No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so you don't know. That's the risk. You might not know. Well, and so that's a great point as well. People might be afraid to give you feedback. Yeah. Right? Because you're not open. Because essentially black and white thing is I'm not open to hearing a different perspective. Yeah. You set yourself up for a bit of a fall. Right? Yeah. I'm not open. I'm not actually open to hearing a different perspective. So feedback's really hard to give people like that yeah. because – you don't think you're wrong. Yeah. You're never wrong. I remember once actually when I was younger and my sister said to me, you know, like, you know, you just, you can just be so passionate sometimes and it just, it quietens me down. And I'm thinking, well, at that stage, I will shamefully say, I was like, well, toughen up, honey. Like (laughs) (laughs) in my head, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) You know, but as I grew a little bit more mature, I realized actually what she was saying to me was, you know, your passion, overwhelm, attachment to a belief is actually making me uncomfortable. Uh, so it took me a uh, while to realise that it's actually not desirable. You know, it's not my needs just that need to be met, you know? Uh, and I think that's a growth area. I, I actually had an example yesterday. I was trying to coach someone, you know, outside of work. And it was it was really, I was just trying to give them some helpful feedback because I thought they weren't too self-aware. And so it was coming from a good place, but they just refused to take it in, refused to listen, yeah. right? And I didn't, it wasn't even like really harsh or anything. It's just like, you know, remember like da, da, da kind of stuff. And I just didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to listen. And it was like, you know, it's like, okay, fine, I guess. But And you know what? It might have been the response in the moment, but it still was. Can be. You plant I the think, seed. Yeah. You plant the seed and all that. But it was just interesting because then it's like, well, I'll think twice about trying to help them in the future. Yeah. You know, because. That was uncomfortable. It, it wasn't enjoyable for it, me. Yeah. I was just just trying to genuinely help them with something. Yeah. So if you've got a if you have a client who has this pattern of behaviour, that might be a question that you ask them. You know how how often do people share different views with you or share feedback with you? Mm. What's the risk if you're not hearing that? Because if that's how it might be set up, then people often don't like to not know either. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of like a it's a blind spot. Mm potential risk to it absolutely i know my wife's good at giving me feedback actually she's and when i I think about it she's actually very brave and so on doing it when i think about it so i'll thank her this afternoon but yeah no she does unsolicited feedback like hey i don't know if you've uh thought about this or noticed but here it is so it's pretty pretty well if your partner can't give it to you you know like who can yeah it's true it's true yep all right so black and white thinking you know I, i think ultimately it's shutting down Shutting down ideas, shutting down options, 
and closing us off to influence from other people and, and perhaps hearing that feedback. So the more we can break out of that and, and to be open to that influence by asking mm. questions, you know, it doesn't mean you always have to compromise your position. No. Necessarily, but we're open, we're genuinely open to the, you know, to feedback and genuinely open to other perspectives versus we say we are, but really we're, we've already made up our mind. You know? Yeah. Which is, without dragging it on again, I've seen that happen where the leader of a team has a clear view on what we should be doing for the next 12 months, say, the strategy. I've got a clear view. But they go into the team and they ask for feedback, but they've already made up their mind. They're not actually interested in hearing anything, but they know I should involve people and stuff. Or, or have you seen this before? Surface value. People Surface. get feedback, you know, so in, in a workshop with consultants, like, what's, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Oh, cool. Okay, well, here's the next slide where we've already written up what's going to happen. What we're going to do. Um, so, so that was pointless. I don't know if that's quite the same thing. Maybe not, but. Well, there probably could be a bit of a correlation there between that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I've already made up my mind. So I'm consulting, like I'm asking you for your view, but I'm not actually interested in. I'm going to change anything. I'm not going to change anything based on it. So they're watch outs. They're watch outs, you know, and if you clock yourself doing it, notice that you're doing it and inquire, move to that inquiry. And if you see your teammates doing it or your friends doing it for that matter, how can you be the circuit breaker and ask those questions to try and pull them back out of that? And, you know, if you do see a peer doing it or someone around, like you can you can be fun with that. It doesn't have to be serious. You can mm. kind of be, mm, oh, you, te- sa- you, sound, you know, like you sound really certain there. Are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just maybe. Just like have a bit of fun with it. Tease them a bit. Yeah, yeah lighten the mood and, yeah, I like it. Mm. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll have a link in this podcast notes that goes to your blog as well on that topic because I think it's a really good blog for people to go in and read and, and learn a bit more and, and join the conversation. So leave a comment, you know, have you noticed it in yourself or, or in your dealings with other people and do you have any tips for how you can break it or do something different or take it to a different level? Yeah. So we'd well, love what, to, what do you struggle with? What do you struggle with? We'd love to hear. So, so please uh, get involved. All right, Liana, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dom. All right, we'll see you on another one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.